you have your Bibles, would you just uh, open with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. It's in the New Testament. I have to tell you that going into this weekend, um, throughout the week, I knew what, what I'd be preaching to you. And uh, the word that, I, that the Lord, uh, I felt, was leading me towards. But as we got into the weekend, um, especially over the last two days, the Lord has just been challenging me in my own heart. And I went to my wife. I said, I feel like I got kind of a whole different message <laughs> coming into this Sunday than I thought. Um, how many of you are thankful sometimes God changes the script a little bit? And we can just be sensitive to that. So um, I wish I could just pull up a chair and just talk to you. God just put some things on my heart that I, I feel from his word we need to know. And uh, in fact, it's really one question that it all started with for me in my time of prayer with the Lord. Here's the question. If you're writing this down, I encourage you to, this is a question I'm going to keep coming back to, and I want you to keep coming back to this week. Question is, who are you following? Who are you following? Lord, who am I following? Lord, I think at times I know the answer to that question. But Lord, I just pray right now in these moments that we have together that you would come, and Holy Spirit, would you just illuminate uh, the truth of your word? And can we hold that up to the reality of our lives, Lord God? Can we be very honest in your presence? And Lord, would you help us to answer that, not just today, but every day? Not just in this way, Lord, when we're in service, but in every way. Who, who are you following? Who am I following? Lord, anoint this word today. I can't bring this forth without your Holy Spirit's touch. And come and have your way. Come do whatever you want to do this morning in every heart and in every life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think of the word following. Following's caught on um, in a lot of circles, especially in social media right now. Um, I, I want to just ask a few questions because in the last 10 years, this idea of social media has just skyrocketed and taken off. So let me just see a show of hands. How many of you have an Instagram account? Come on, let me see some hands around. Um, all right, come on. You can't be hollering for Instagram, and whenever I make a good point in my message, you're quiet. <laughs> come on, somebody. No, it's <laughs> Twitter. Come on, you can share some of Twitter. Twitter, okay. Facebook. Come on, let me see. Okay, yeah, Facebook wins, right? And some of you have other things. Um, I remember MySpace, Zanga, come on. Some of that, uh, that stuff. How many of you had an AOL Instant Messenger account? Come on. Now, be, now did anyone see in the news? They're shutting it down this year. Like, like in a couple months, AIM is gone. So send your last little, you know, all those little... BRB, LOL, all that was born in that time. Um, <clears throat> but w with social media today, it's, it's not just about communicating. It used to be about communication. Now, it's really about orientation. It's about, about following. And, and so much of the language has actually been, been changed to this. So on Instagram, how many what do you have? Not friends, right? Followers, why? Because they're looking at you, they're following you. Why are they, how are they following you? They're looking at everything you're doing. And guess what? If they really like you, if they're impressionable, they're following you. And guess what? You have people, some of you have 100 followers, but you're following someone that has millions of followers, right? You follow a celebrity, you, you can follow anyone you want to, and that's the beauty of some of these things in social media. That in, like on Facebook, you have to send a friend request, and you know what, certain people are not gonna be friends with you. Just get, Sylvester Stallone is not gonna accept your friend request, right? But you could follow him. You can follow her, you could follow that person, and we're following all kinds of people, aren't we? We're following them, we're looking at them, but you know what we're doing sometimes? We're taking our cues from them. 
I believe that those that we're following are those that we begin to emulate and imitate. They begin to shape the way that we think, live, do what we do. Someone we follow, respect, dress a certain way, we're going to kind of lean in that direction. Speak a certain way, we start using the same language. It's, It's about how we're conditioned. In Facebook, you can actually set some things on what you're seeing on your, on your Facebook timeline when you first log in. And it's funny, if you don't want to see something and you click on it to try to take it away, do you know what it says? It says, unfollow this person. Did you know on Facebook it is possible to have friends but actually not be following them? Keep that in mind, okay? You can still have friendships, but you have to make a decision whether or not you're going to follow them, meaning is all that stuff going to come onto your timeline As I'm thinking about all that, I'm thinking, wow, when we answer the question, who are you following? We're in church. The answer is Jesus, just like it's been since I was a little kid in church, right? It's always Jesus. But let's get beneath the surface. Let's ask the real question. Who else am I following? What else am I following? And I think that beneath the surface, if we ask the question of our hearts, we really dig down. There might be some other people and some other things that we're following after. And I just believe the Lord wants to get our attention today about this idea of following him. And to answer the question, who am I following? Now, each book in the New Testament, well, many of them, um, they're written to churches. And normally the title of the book was the title of the church that it was originally written to. Now, once it got there, it would normally be circulated around to to a lot of other places. And uh, for... This particular book of uh, 1 Corinthians, we see that there are two of them. That should tell you something. This church had some challenges. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, we read it in the Bible, was one of the pastors of this church for a short period of time. And if you've read the book of 1 Corinthians, and you kind of read between the lines, you can see there's some messed up stuff happening in the church of Corinth. I know some of you know what that's like. You've been a part of a church where there's been some challenges, there's been some ups and some downs, there's been some things going on. Um, The church of Corinth was full of that. It was full of some challenges. It was full of some messed up things were happening. Even by our standards today, we'd say, wow. You know, Paul's not telling them to not do all these things for no reason. He's addressing specific issues within that church. And this church was so challenging, he had to write a second letter to them. The book of 2 Corinthians. And they believe that there were other letters that were also written to them that aren't a part of our scriptures. But there were other correspondence that Paul had with them. What's so challenging about this church in Corinth wasn't just the things that they were swept up in, because they had a problem with who they were following. Because they, with their mouths, and got together in a church and called themselves a church because they were following Jesus. But they were following a lot of other practices, a lot of other gods, a lot of other cultural things that were the opposite of what Jesus would want them to be doing. And they were sinful and they were wrong. So Paul has to address all kinds of stuff in the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians with them. And even in their following of Jesus, there were times they had to be corrected and just, just he had to lead them and guide them. What made it so challenging about this church in particular is that they even came against Paul, their pastor. They had all kinds of questions and accusations. Paul, in fact, has to defend himself to the people who he pastored and who he loved. They begin to, to think the worst of him. They begin to judge him. They begin to ask all these questions because they see Paul living in a certain way. And in their own brokenness and in their own challenges, which are abundant in the book of First and Second Corinthians, 
they took their eyes off all that. They were so caught up, and they saw Paul doing stuff, and they became, you know, Jesus said, you look at the speck in your own eye, or the, log, or the speck in your brother's eye and the log in your own eye, you don't even take the plank out. Uh, this is that happening. They start to look at Paul and say, well, why is he doing it that way? And why is he acting this way? And they got these logs hanging out of their own eye of challenges. But they're looking at their former pastor. They're judging him. They're, they're coming against him. This is, you know, there's some drama going on in the early church, okay? Um, and it happens here in Corinthians, in Corinth, the church in Corinth. How many of you know God loves challenging people? Some of you are like, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, and Paul comes to them with this letter as a pastor. He needs to address a lot of things. But instead of him just being frustrated, angry, I believe he comes to them, and I think the Holy Spirit gave him the word. I know the Holy Spirit gave him the words to say. It's the inspired word of God. But the grace that led to some of these things, Paul wasn't just addressing what he was doing and answering their questions. He was helping them to understand why he did what he did. He was helping them understand the heart behind it. Because these people, they had a problem with following. Who they were following, what they were following. Some of them had a brand new life, but they had not cut off their old life. So when Paul says in 2 Corinthians, if any man is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old life. He's trying to help you get that old life out of here. You're a new creation in Christ. This is who you're called to follow. Who are you following? So Paul's addressing all this. But they begin to see Paul eating with different people. They say... Why is he he's eating with the Jewish people and he's eating like kosher? And then he's over here and he's eating with Gentiles and he's eating with these people. And like, Paul, what a hypocrite. You're such a hypocrite. You, you seem to be blending in with all these people and you're going in and out. And you're, you, just, you seem like you're, you're not taking this stuff seriously. The Jewish believers were like, you know, yes, we're happy when you do that. But then you go over there and you spend time with the Gentiles. And what is that all about? And the same thing. Like, well, you know, you pretend like you're friendly with us, but, but you're over there eating with them. And there's all of these challenges about who Paul's eating with. There are some people that are eating meat and it had been sacrificed to other gods. Odds, and it's like, well, that's, I mean, even you tell me if you know, like, I want to know if my burger has been, you know, a part of a, some kind of, like, that's, that's weird. Um, they were doing that. And Paul's having to address some of these things early on. And they're seeing these, and they're not agreeing, and some of them are super conservative with it. Some of them are being very sinful, and so, you know, there's all this issues sweeping around. I hope I set the stage for you with just some of what's happening in Corinth at this time. And Paul writes back to them, and in a few passages of Scripture, Paul gets to the heart of the issue, because it's all about who you're following. Let's look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, 30, verse uh, 31 through 11. One. Here's what Paul says. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles, or to the church of God. He said, I too, I try to please everyone in everything I do, but I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others. Why? So that many may be saved. And you should imitate me, just as I imitate Christ. Man, if there is a, a verse of scripture with power, you should imitate me, just as I imitate Christ. It says it this way in a different translation. It says, you should follow me. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul says, look at me. Follow me because here's what I'm doing. I'm sold out to following Jesus. I'm sold out that I'm going to go where Jesus leads and guides me. 
And whatever you do, you can, we can get caught up in eating and drinking and what we're wearing. and all. We can get caught up in all those things. That seems to be what you guys are very good at. But this is what I'm about. I'm about following Jesus. I'm about doing what he's called me to do. And I'm doing it for the glory of God. And I'm going to do my best to serve everyone. Didn't you love it when the children would come down between each song and they would just share a verse of scripture with me? I didn't know what verses they were going to be sharing. I turned aside and said, they're preaching my sermon for me today. They were hitting all these things in like, a, like, like all throughout the worship because God does that, don't you know? God does that. He says, the Son of Man didn't come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Paul, their former pastor, says, I'm not here to have it my way. This isn't Burger King, right? This isn't, I'm not here to have, I'm here to serve. Why? Not because I just want to become a doormat. Not because I just want to just, that's what it, I just give up all my rights. But No, I want to do it because I know that as I'm following Jesus, that there are many that could be saved through my service. There are many people that could come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. He said, I'm following Jesus. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow my example because I'm following Jesus. When we say we're following Jesus, we have to really get to the core of what that means. Because here's what I know. I have gone on a journey before where I have gotten in a car with some friends. And I wish I could tell you one story about this, but I have like 10 stories about this. Um, I get into the car. I say, hey, where are we going? You know, and they tell us where we're going. I'm like, I don't know where that is, so I'm going to what? Follow you. How, do you. how many of you know before GPSs and all that, you were very dependent. If you said, I'm following you, you're following them. You don't got maps and GPS. Like, I'm just, I'm following you. So then we're in the car, and I have other people in the car with me. I'm in a conversation. I'm hanging out. We hit stoplights. They come. They turn left or turn right. I don't know. I'm still going. I'm like, hold on. Where are they at? Just because I said that I was following them didn't mean I was actually following them. Because it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? It's so easy to kind of get off target. And you could turn around and realize the one you were following turned left and you turned right. The one you were following has stopped or slowed down and you're, you're, not, you know, you're not paying attention. So you're just going your own way. I think sometimes we, we think of this idea, well, I'm following Jesus because at some point in my life I said a prayer that told him I would follow him. But this is what the Lord convicted me of. In that same way, for those periods of time, whenever you decide you're going to intentionally follow someone that you're behind, you're paying attention. And when you see that trigger go left or right, you're ready to go left or right. Something powerful our former pastor, Pastor Brennan, had talked to me about, just about leadership and leading the church and, and just challenging me as I was stepping into a new season. He said, for so much of my time at Evangel, he said, I just wanted, I just wanted to follow Jesus. You could think about all this other stuff he said, but here's what I would picture as I prayed. Lord, I just want to see the back of your shoulders in front of me. And if those shoulders turn right, I want to go right. And if they turn left, I just want to be so, I just want to be led by you. Here's what I want you to know. I believe the best leaders in this entire world are followers of Jesus. I think we think about this idea of leadership as we get to the top of something. I, I, you could be an incredible, you can be the best leader, but I believe if you don't have Jesus, you're not the greatest leader among the greatest leaders of the world. Because you can have all the natural ability, you could have all, but when you become a follower of Jesus, it opens up your life to the supernatural power of God. Um, and I believe you can't be the leader God has called you to be. You can't be the husband God has called you to be. You can't be the wife God's called you to be. Take it into your job. You can't be the accountant God has called you to be, or the firefighter that God, without letting Jesus be the leader of your life. We can't be the leader God has made us to be without following Jesus. Who are you following? 
Because if you're leading your home, if you're leading all these areas, and you're not following the right person, you have no idea what's ahead of you. I'm so thankful that the Lord is our shepherd. He leads us, guides us. He knows everywhere that we will walk. The best leaders are followers of Jesus. That wasn't in my notes. You just needed to know that. I needed to know that. We need that reminder every day. To the left or to the right? Wherever you go, Lord, I'm, I'm following you. I sense this to be the disposition of Paul's heart. I sense this to be the attitude of what Jesus called us to. Here's what he says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, it's another word for follower, must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Another translation of it in the NLT says this, if any of you wants to be my follower, he must give up his own way, take up the cross daily, and follow me. We have to turn over from our selfish ways, and we have to follow him. This is what he's called us to do. This is the call of, of Christ. And so Paul, uh, Paul is living this out. He's trying to walk in obedience to that very call. So you can start to say, what does that look like, Pastor? What could it look like for me to actually do that? Because I don't see the shoulders of Jesus going ahead of me. If I, I can understand if I, if I sign up and I say, I'm going to follow you. And it's a real person that is like in the flesh and blood right now. But Jesus died, rose again. He's in heaven. So how am I going to follow him and, and have that kind of intentionality? Here's what I realize. It requires focus. It, you have to actually have focus to follow him. You have to focus on following him. If my focus gets taken off the person that I'm following, that's when things get, get all, all messed up. That's when I lose my way. So we can actually feel like we're following if we're following casually. But I want to tell you, if I really care about where I'm going, if I can't really care about where, what I'm doing, then I need to not just be a follower. I need to be a focused follower. I need to focus my life on who I'm following. And so as we do that, we become focused. Focus, the key word of focus is intentionality. What am I doing intentionally to spend time with Jesus and to follow him? If you're taking notes, I think there are just two things I would give you today that are helping me in my personal walk with the Lord and my private time with him. I think there are just two things that if I would look and say, I want my life. And if you'd say the same thing, I've said, I've, I've said Jesus, be Lord of my life. I've committed to follow you. But Lord, I want that kind of relationship with you. Where if you're moving to the right, come on, did the kids sing this or what? To the right, <laughs> to the left, like too many of us, we're all out of sync, right? We're like, he's going here and we're going here. Because we trust our own understanding more than his, right? We just trust our own default. I want you to know your gut can still be wrong even though you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You can still have old habits that are going to lead you in the wrong way. So don't just trust your own intuition. There needs to be some intentionality and focus on Christ to be a follower of his. And if you want this kind of relationship where, Lord, if I sense you're going this way, I want to follow you. If I sense you're going that way. So what are the two things? I think you should look into God's word and study the priorities of Jesus. So would you just, each morning, and you could pick up the booklet we have in the back. We have some viral books left, and it's a gift for you for free. Every um, day in, in, in there, there is a, a devotional for you to be reading. It's just a, a passage of scripture and a question to ask. You can have that, and you can, that's a gift to you to stop out there today after service. Before you leave, ask someone for it. But you can open up anywhere in the Bible. Just open up. Just flip open in one of the four Gospels, really. Start there. So go Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, 
and find Jesus. He's all there. He's all throughout it. And just read about him. And then just ask this one question. Jesus, what's your priority right now? What's the priority? I'm, I, you know, I just opened this up. It's just, I'm in chapter 4 of Matthew's gospel. Verse, right here, verse 19, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'm just, I'm looking you to see. Read a passage of scripture and ask the question, what's Jesus' priority? Take a note of those things. What priority did Jesus place on prayer? What priority did he place on serving others? What, what priority did he place on allowing himself to be interrupted by people? Just look, what were the priorities of Jesus? Who did he spend his time with? What did he do for them? How did he serve them? What was his heart? Focus on the priorities of Jesus when you study the word of God and then begin to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus desires for us to walk after him in the same way I've just described to you. And, and everyone became very nervous in the New Testament just as Jesus is about to die because he said, I'm going, I'm leaving. I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And, and now it's like, where, where am I going to, how are we going to get there? Where are we going to go? Jesus said, don't worry about that. I haven't left you as orphans. Church, come on, turn to your neighbor and say, we're not alone in this. We're not alone in this. Who did Jesus promise would come and lead us? The Holy Spirit would come and lead us. He said, I will send the spirit of truth. And when I go, he will come. And what will he do? Lead you into all truth. So what happens now in our lives is that, yes, we, get, we pray. We say, Lord, I just want to see your shoulders. But it's really we're praying and asking, Holy Spirit, make me sensitive to the promptings in my life, the ways that you will prompt me to go. And if today, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've, you've invited him to join, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, just as Tim talked about last week. And for many of you, you've, you've sought even for a greater empowering of him. We talk about this as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And 53 people experienced that last Sunday night here. There's a, a new level of power and of just effectiveness in following Jesus and leading others to Jesus. But every person that's a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he dwells inside of you. And therefore, he has the power to prompt your life. I want to live a spirit-prompted life. I want to become quiet enough in my own life that I can hear his voice. And maybe it's not an audible voice, but it's a prompting. You might see this when you're walking through work, and it's like, i got to go talk to her. I never talk to her. i got to go. So you walk up. And you may not know what to say. You may not know what to do. Just start a conversation. You never know what God is up to in those moments. we got to not be afraid we got to do what Jesus would do. And when you hold up the promptings of the Holy Spirit to the priorities of Jesus, I think something beautiful happens there where you just begin to see what Jesus was doing and seeing with his eyes, but then you're being sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. Are you with me, church? And as we're sensitive there, God will just begin to open doors and lead us. He might say, turn left down that hall. Talk to that one. Just be prompted. Just allow yourself. And, and here's what I do in the mornings. Just pray. Holy Spirit, would you lead my life? Would you lead and guide me today? Jesus, I want to follow you. You said the Spirit, the Holy Spirit would lead me and guide me. I ask for that. You'll be amazed when you give God permission to just show up in your life when you make room for him, what he's going to do, who he's going to lead you to. I was in a restaurant this week, and I felt, I felt a prompting to speak to a manager at that restaurant and just open up a conversation. 
And so we did that, and I just sensed, I didn't know what to say, I didn't I have words, but I just built some relationship. I'm really living out some of the principles we're talking about in viral. What did Jesus do? He valued people. He saw people where they were. We talked about this a few weeks ago. If you were in small groups, we talked about it. Valuing people, seeing people the way Jesus sees them. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors. How we perceive people, how we see them, has everything to do with how we receive them. Or we build up walls. We don't allow them to come close. Jesus, he sat down at the table with the sinners and tax collectors. People rolled their eyes. They didn't know what to do with Jesus and what he was doing. Do you know why? Because he saw the heart, not just on the outward appearance. Church, we can have the ability to have eyes like Jesus, to see what others don't want to see. And it's all a part of learning what it means to follow after him. This is what Paul committed himself to. This is what his heart was. This was his desire as he followed Christ. There's a second principle in the word viral. The first one is valuing people. Second one is identifying common ground. And it's trying to find those places of connection with others. This is what Paul's doing. He said, everything I'm doing, I'm doing for the glory of God. I'm serving people. He said, I haven't come to, to be served, but to serve others. I'm doing everything I do so that others will come to Christ. If you are still there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, would you flip back one chapter to chapter 9? And in chapter 9, the Apostle Paul is talking here, and he's speaking about some of these same issues that I introduced to you at the beginning of the message. Here's what he says, starting in verse 19. We're going to go to verse 23. He says, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I lived under that law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I live apart from that law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. Say everyone. Doing everything. Say everything. I can to save some. I do everything. Say everything again. To spread the good news and share in its blessings. What a passage of scripture, huh, church? To see what Paul was willing to do. He's getting all this criticism. Why is he doing this? He said, let me break it down for you. I become all things to all people so that I could save some. I have died. I'm eating here, and I'm eating kosher. And when I'm over here with them, I'm not under that law anymore. I'm under the law of Christ, so I'm going to eat here. Now, I'm not going to be offensive. I'm not going to sin. I understand my boundary. I obey the law of Christ. I want you to know to have a spirit-prompted life isn't just where Jesus is calling and prompting you to go. It's where not to go. It's not just what to do, what not to do. And so there are those boundaries we have to have in our lives because what Paul is not saying is when I'm with sinners, I go and I sin freely. And whenever I'm not, it's not about that. But it's about all these other things that we can get focused on and allow to divide us. And Paul says, here's what I'm doing. I'm doing everything I can with everyone I can to save as many people as possible. Because it's all about people coming into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Another thing Paul had kind of said in here, he said, I'm going to do everything short of sinning to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. 
He said, I obey the law of Christ. I'm, I have my boundaries are clear. But when I'm here, I'm going to serve them. When I'm here, I'm going to serve them. When the week, I'm going to come and take part in that. I'm just going to serve them and love them. Paul was willing to go to places that when the other people around him saw it, it made them uncomfortable. That's what this was really about. How many of us, come on, I'll put my hand up as well. There are some places, it's not that it's sinful, but it just makes me uncomfortable. I don't know. I, I, I just wouldn't naturally go there. I wouldn't actually talk to that person. Now, I'm not telling you you have to go to every place that's uncomfortable. That must be the will of God. It's not about that at all. But here's what I want to know. Lord, if you prompt my heart that I should, I want to be obedient. Come on, is anyone else with me? That's a good time right there. Lord, if you prompt my heart, though, I don't want to let these things get in the way. Paul's trying to challenge them and help them to see that. But one of the things that I love about Jesus and about the Apostle Paul is he makes it. So one of the things is intentionality. You, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to be intentionally focused on following him. But you also have to be available to him. Your availability matters to God. We have a feature on our phone, and I don't know if you use this, but it might be a good one for you to think about whenever, whenever you go to, uh, whenever you're kind of on, you know, in, in a place, in a meeting. It's called Do Not Disturb. Does anyone know about this? You're going to do not disturb on your phone. It's better than even silencing it. It will hold those messages, hold everything until you're ready to receive them at some other time. So do not disturb. When that's on, it's like no one can disturb you. You might have that setting on your office phone uh, as well. And it's just like when that's on, I, I, I'm just free from that. And there's no interruption, nothing, because this is so vitally important. Here's what I believe spiritually happens in our lives. I think... Sometimes when we enter into Monday morning and we move throughout our day, and once we're on the clock at work, once we're doing whatever, once sometimes when we're just out of church, spiritually, you know what we do? Do not disturb. Do not disturb, Lord. Are you with me? I'm not really paying attention to any of those things. Like, Lord, I, I'm not sensitive. I don't even, I'm not even thinking, praying, looking for this. I'm just, I'm focused on what I'm doing. Lord, I have a big meeting. I have this. I have that. It's like, I, when, I, when I do the work of God, when I do the ministry, that's something we got to schedule, and we got to schedule it in advance. That outreach, I'm going to set it. Here's what I want you to know. We have a lot of things for you to get involved with, but I believe the majority of how God wants to use you in your life is not going to be scheduled on a calendar days in advance. It's not going to find its way there, and it's not going to be something we announce in these announcement videos. The majority of the way God's going to use you to be in ministry and to be who he's called you to be is going to be a series of interruptions in your day that are God appointments. There are moments that you had no idea were coming, but as you are being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he's just making a way there. Do you know how I know that? Because the majority of Jesus's ministry was interruptions. He had places he was going, but you know, so many of the stories that we read, those are the interruptions. So much of the power is in the interruptions. And if you have a life that's on do not disturb, where God does not have permission to prompt you. He will not hit you over the head. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he will shout, but he speaks in a still small voice so often. I think every day there are just these divine appointments that we could just be passing by. What could it look like to quiet ourselves and say, Lord, I just want, I want to, I want to be on mission. I want to just hear, Lord, and be prompted by your Holy Spirit. Lead and guide me, Lord. Lord, open up, open up opportunities for me. Whatever that looks like, help me to sense those moments and be faithful to just do whatever it is you put before me to do. We do this so that people will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is what Paul says. He, 
we have our plans, and we're so good at working the plan. Even if our plan's kind of chaotic, we have a way of just wanting to work that plan, and, and we always have the picture of what we want our lives to look like. I was just sitting with someone this week, and, and they're going through a very difficult challenge. They, their whole world is kind of turned upside down, and they described everything to me. And at the end, in the last, ver in the last sentence and statement they said to me, they said, I'm just very upset right now because things are not going the way that I planned since I started following Jesus. And I said, I felt the prompting of God. I said, and that's the problem, right? The way that I had planned since I started following Jesus. Do you realize that that sentence is kind of an oxymoron? The way that I planned when I started following Jesus. When we kind of start to follow Jesus, we're kind of giving up the plan, aren't we? We're kind of like saying, like, not my will, but your will be done. Not just in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's like an everyday uh, prayer that we should be praying but we, how many of you know when disappointment comes into your life, do you know why so often we feel unfulfilled, we get angry at God? Because my life isn't going as I planned since I started following you. That's a register in our head at some point in time and say, hold on. The whole thing is about me laying down my plan. The whole thing is about my plan. It's not that I don't have a plan and we just live these lives. We just wander the streets and just, you know, do like we have lives, we have plans. But it's my plan is now superseded by your purpose for my life, Lord. My plan is superseded. Lord. Your purpose comes before my plan. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's not that we have a plan. Now, if our plan isn't in line with God's will, we've got to be willing to surrender that. But our plan comes under his purpose for our lives. When we do this, Oh, God can open up incredible doors for us. And this is what Paul sees. He sees all these people God has allowed him to reach, all these people God has allowed him to minister to. And I, I want to challenge you to know that Paul allowed, there's so many divisive issues in Corinth. There's so many divisive issues today. We have a lot in common, right? There are a lot of things going on. There are, there are posts you will see today on your social media timeline that are very divisive. They will, they will cause you to become upset unless you've already clicked and started unfollowing all those people, got them out of your, you know. But you'll see things. Just it happens naturally. You'll see something somewhere. Someone will say something, and, and it could be a divisive issue. Maybe not a sinful one, but a divisive one, one that kind of separates us from one another. And those are normally our personal rights because we have rights. We all have the right to free speech. It's not always wise to say everything that comes to our mind. Come on, somebody. Right? But then we got this idea called social media where it's like, I don't know, we forgot about that. <laughs> like, like anything that comes to mind can be spread. And it's broadcast more than just our living room. It goes out to whoever wants to see it. Personal rights, our opinions, and even our convictions. I'm not talking about gospel. I'm not talking about the law of God. I'm talking about personal convictions. Here's what Paul did. He allowed the gospel to take a superior place in his life than his personal rights, his opinions, and even his convictions. I want to tell you it's in those three areas, our personal rights, our convictions, our opinions, that we can become very divided from one another, right? Let me got real quiet in here. We can become very divided. Like this, Paul just says, like, this comes first. He said, here's what he said. This is not as important as leading people to Jesus for me. That was just a personal conviction in his life. This is not as important as me leading people to Jesus. He stood up for the truth. Paul was a man. He, he had enough literal scars on his body to know when it came time to throw down for the gospel, he wasn't backing down. But when it came to these other things, he was just so willing to serve people and to really have the same, the same exact disposition of Christ. He came as a servant to serve 
and not be served? I think sometimes I, I have to ask myself this question as I'm posting something, as I'm saying something, is this going to help people? Sometimes I'll get frustrated. I'll just have something deep in me. I just, I just like my soapbox I want to kind of get on. Is this going to help lead people to Jesus? Is this going to push people away from him? And I think someone's just worth praying about, though. I'm telling you, I'm not going to give you the specific example. I'm just telling you, I know there's enough there right now, and there's enough that I'm seeing um, that I'll watch. Not, take, uh, take, take Christians out. I see enough with pastors uh, in, in social media things where they're coming against each other over issues. And I'm like, guys, this isn't like, these are like your personal convictions and personal opinions that you're, you're fighting with each other on, and you're doing it on social media, and other people are watching people uh, in the faith doing. That's no good. That's not helping. Is this leading? I'm just thinking of the atheists as sitting back watching watching, saying, okay, let's hear about how they're going to convince me. You know, I don't see it. And I think for us as followers of Jesus, I ask that question a lot. Lord, is what I'm doing, is what I'm communicating, is, is, is how I'm living my life, helping to lead people to Jesus. And I think it's a good thing to pray about, a good thing to consider as you go forward, because I just see it all over Paul's life and ministry. And it does offend people. People have all kinds of opinions whenever it happens. But if your foundation is Christ, and if you stand firmly on the word of God and firmly there, and know I'm in Christ, you'd be amazed at what kind of doors God will give you and open for you to connect with other people. When we talk about finding common ground with people, identifying, it's finding those places where we can connect. We're looking not at the things that divide us, but what unites us. What are the things we have in common? And then you build bridges from that to the gospel. There are people that you may feel, I have nothing in common with them. Do you breathe? Well, you have a lot in common. You know, like, you're, like the, the, the way your body is structured. Do you have a, one heart? Do you have, one, do you have a mother? Do you have a father? Do you have children? Oh, my goodness, you both have, have girls. There is a lot you have in common. There is a lot. Oh, you, you have all girls in your home, and you're the only guy in the house. Wow, there's a lot you have in common with this person. You guys could talk. Do you have a dog? Like, there's so many things that we kind of have in common. And, yes, it's not all about those, but those become the entryway into someone's life. They become a starting point for a conversation that could lead down a road towards people coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want you to know, when we talk about this idea of leading people to Jesus, this is a process. This is not just a, a five-minute, hey, let me come in, let me tell you by the time we end our conversation right now, this is all that you need to know. And I Can it just start by getting to know their story? Can it just start with you beginning to build some relationship with them, getting to know them? This is what Paul's doing. He's building relationships, he's serving people, and he's doing all that so that people can come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's a part of his heart. Are you with me, church? You know, this challenges me. It challenges me in my core because I want to see people that I love and I know about come to know Jesus. And I even want people that I don't know that I come in contact with, and if for some reason I have an interaction with someone and God's purpose for that interaction of bringing us together was so that they could know Jesus through me, have you ever prayed that way and thought that way? There are some people God will allow to come into your life and bring you into their lives, and you have no idea the purpose that you're there is so that they could see Jesus in you. It's the purpose that the Lord had for ordaining your life and leading your path in that way. Paul says, I did that. I found common ground with everyone, doing everything I could to save some. For him, there was just one table that mattered most. It was the table of the Lord. He wanted to follow the example of Jesus. He wanted to serve. He wanted to do everything he could to lead people to Jesus. 
I'm going to invite the worship team to come right now. And as they're coming, I want to invite everyone to reach at the end of your pews. There's some cards that are there, and it's on both sides of the pews. So if you can just grab those and pass them down. I want every person today in the room to get a copy of this. This is a, a card that has... Um, viral on it on one side and it gives you each of the five values that we're talking about in the series and we're going through deeper in our small groups together about valuing people about identifying common ground removing obstacles awe and wonder and living on mission um, those cards are in your pews so if you don't have in your pew reach in the pew in front of you or find you know find some extras make sure everyone in the room can grab a hold of one of those but on the back is what I want you to focus on right now on the back, it says five friend focus. And in all of our small groups, in our small group this week, we were talking about it. We have a five friend focus through this series. And it's us asking in our lives, as we walk out our lives, who are the people that God has put around us that don't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Who are some of those people that are walking through life that don't have the same hope in them that you have in you? Some of them are very close and near to your heart. They're, you, you know them right now. You've been praying for them for a long time. But there are others that you don't even know yet. There's someone that God might put on your mind in just a few minutes as we pray. That they're absolutely the person that God is desiring. The Spirit is prompting you even in this moment. That you might need to build a relationship with them so that they might get to know Jesus and who he is through your life. What we're going to do in just a moment is I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, I want you to hold this in your hand and have a pen with you. And we're going to pray. And then after we pray, I want to invite you. If you sense God's putting someone in your heart, I want you to begin to write those names down. Some of you might have less than five. Some of you might fill up this page. Whatever it is, it's just about just trying to be sensitive to God in this moment right now. So I'm going to pray and we're going to just ask the Lord to lead us, to guide us, to prompt us. And then we're just going to write down the names of some people that don't yet know Jesus, that are in our lives, that we believe the Lord may be leading us to share his love with in some way. So let's pray. Bow your heads with me right now, and I want you just to, just to focus on the Lord. And would you just join me in asking him? I'm going to ask him for myself, even again in this service. Lord, who might that be? And again, you might already have some names that come to Don't wait for just every name that you sense there. If you already know some that you've been praying for, then those are some of them as well. We're going to pray for them. But just let's just ask the Lord. Perhaps he'll put someone in your heart and your mind that comes out of left field. But, you know, just follow that for a moment. Lord Jesus, we ask you to come right now. Would you just speak to every one of our hearts and our lives, Lord? We want to follow you. Lord, we want to focus on following you. And Lord, we want to see other people begin to follow you because of our lives. And so, Lord, we, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, would you just prompt our hearts right now? Would you bring to our memory someone, some people that... Lord, don't yet know you, Lord, that you may have placed in our lives for that very reason. In Jesus' name. All right, as you, uh, as you prayed and as anyone comes to your mind, would you just begin to take a couple moments, just write down those names right now, right where you're sitting. Just, just begin to write a few of those down. You're going to continue to pray over this, and this is going to be a process over the next few weeks. So just get started here, and then just continue to, uh, to revisit this. But right now, I want you just in this moment, as we've given some focused time just to allow the Lord to speak, just write down what you sense he's putting on your heart right now. Thank you, Lord.
you do that, as you're writing, keep writing. I'm just going to begin to pray for them right now as their names are going down. Lord, we pray for every one of these names, Lord God, if they don't know you yet as Lord and Savior, Lord, whether it's through um, my life or through the life of someone here, Lord God, or through whoever you would see fit, Lord God, reveal yourself to them, whatever means necessary, Lord God, that they would come to know you. And Lord God, whatever part of my life, our lives, Lord God, can be a part of their story of coming to Jesus, Lord, we just yield ourselves. Holy Spirit, open doors of opportunity, Lord God. Give us those chances. Make us very sensitive. Lord, I pray for every blank space on every page or not someone yet coming to mind. Lord, I pray this week there will be some divine appointments that Holy Spirit, you'll prompt my brothers and my sisters in ways where they would just recognize it. Hold on, hold on. And Lord, they would just begin to build those relationships. Lord God, may they practice the values, Lord God. Uh, Lord God, of valuing, of finding common ground, of removing obstacles. And may, may all the principles that come forth in this series from your word, Lord God, may they just be lived out amongst these relationships, Lord, and may many come to know you as Lord and Savior as a result of this. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want you just to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment right now. I'm going to ask you the most important question today. Again, who are you following? For some of you today, you have not yet answered that question with even the word Jesus. You've been following after all kinds of other things. And maybe you felt something in your heart as you came here today, that today is the day. I'm not going to look to the left or the right anymore, but I'm ready to follow Jesus. I'm ready to say yes to him. I'm not asking if you've ever been to church before. I'm asking you this question. Have you made the decision to follow Jesus? Has you asked him to forgive you of your sins? And have you turned your life to him, that he would lead you and guide you? And today, if you cannot answer that question with yes, you're not sure that you've ever made that decision, I want to invite you to begin a, a brand new relationship with Jesus. And so I'm talking to someone today, you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, and today is the day that you want to do that. I want you right now, right where you're sitting, if that is you, I want you to lift your hand high above your head, if that's you, and say, Pastor, that's me, I want to follow Jesus with my life. Amen, as that's you, just lift your hand up right now so I could see you. Lift up high above your head. Amen, I see it. High above your head. Come on, just for a moment. There's nothing to be afraid of. Don't worry about the person on your left or on your right. Praise God. I see hands going up around this room. If you've never made that decision, apologies. Keep your hand up for just a moment. Amen. Amen. There's many hands that have gone up. I'm going to need you to do this. I want one more step. I want you all to stand with me right now. Every person in this room, stand up. And I want you, if you've lifted your hand, I want to meet you right down here at the altar. I want you to come right out of your seat right now. I saw a lot of hands. Please don't be embarrassed. Don't let this moment pass you by. Just come on right out of your seat right now. I want to meet you right here, uh, right now in this moment. Church, can we celebrate those that are coming? Come on, if you raised your hand, come on right out of your seat. Come on right down if you'd like a spouse to come with you or something. Come on. If you raised your hand, I want you to come right here. Don't delay. Don't delay. Come on, if you're in the balcony, come on down. I saw many hands go up around the room. Come on down. Come on down right here. Praise God. Come on. Is there anyone else? Come on. Don't let this moment pass you by. Come on. Praise God. We're not going to do anything magical. We're not going to embarrass you. just want you to come on down. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. 
I'm going to pray. And I saw there's a couple others. And please, at any moment, you come. I'm just going to pray for you. And uh, we just want to pray with you. I want Pastor Ron to be near us so we can all pray together. But church, would you just begin to pray as well? And we're going to pray this prayer from the bottom of our hearts and lives. And those of you that are here today, if today's the day that you said yes to Jesus, um, this is the greatest moment of your life. I want you to just say this from the bottom of your heart as you're turning your life to Jesus. And we're excited to celebrate that with you. So pray with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. And today, I make the decision to follow you. I will follow you all the days of my life. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Church, will you praise God with me for what he's doing in hearts and lives? I'm so excited for each of you. Amen. 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 Um, we're going to have uh, our altar workers help you out. If you raised your hand, I saw a couple others, you didn't make it down. Please let us put something in your hand. We have a, a book and just, we want to connect with you. It's so important to get connected as you make this decision. So our ushers are coming. If you raise your hand, we'd love to give you that and just get an ability to get in contact with you. And church, let's just celebrate that again as they're walking back to their seats. And church, you can all be seated. We get to end today in a special, special way. Not just with people coming to know Jesus, but with us coming to the table of the Lord in communion. What a great way for us to close out our time together. This is what the Lord said, because for Paul, he's talking about the table. He talks about the table in chapter 9. He talks about the table in chapter 10. But he talks about another table in chapter 11. He said, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord. That on the night Jesus was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and he gave thanks and he broke it into pieces. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper and he said, this is a new covenant between God and his people. It's an agreement that's confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Because every time you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So this is what we have the opportunity to do today, and this will be the closing of our service. You're going to receive one of each of the elements, a piece of bread and a cup, and hold on to those for just a few moments. We're going to worship the Lord together, and then we're just going to take communion together as one body, as one family, and we're just going to fix our eyes on Jesus. And this is called communion because it's a time of communing with the Lord. But I want you to begin to pray, Lord, may this be not just today, but Lord, may I have this time of communing with you every single day. That's what we're going to pray for. Lord, deepen my time with you privately and personally so, Lord, I can begin to be prompted and walk and follow you the way we've been talking about in your word today. So let's quiet our hearts. Let's prepare ourselves in worship to receive from the Lord. Those that are serving, come forth and let's worship God together.